If you're a small business owner looking to grow or expand your business, check out OnDeck Business Loans. OnDeck offers business loans online from $5,000 to $500,000, and their simple application process only takes 10 minutes. Unlike banks, they'll give you a decision quickly, and funding is as fast as one day. Get a free consultation with an OnDeck loan advisor. Visit OnDeck.com podcast. This is the Customer Equity Accelerator, a weekly show for marketing executives who need to accelerate customer-centric thinking and digital maturity. I'm your host, Allison Hartsoe of Ambition Data. This show features innovative guests who share quick wins on how to improve your bottom line while creating happier, more valuable customers. Ready to accelerate? Let's go. Welcome. Today's show is about customer experience, specifically the relationship of customer experience to customer equity acceleration. And to help me discuss customer experience and why you should care, I've invited a special guest, Diane Majors. Diane is the CEO of the Customer Experience Professionals Organization. I bet you didn't know that existed, but you should. It's called the CXPA, and it is an organization for chief customer officers and chief experience officers. Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. Tell us a little bit more about being CEO of this cool organization and about the organization itself. Oh, absolutely. Um, Well, I'll start with the organization itself. We were established in 2011 as a nonprofit association. There was a lot of people like myself in organizations doing work around building better customer experience across the board, like we were talking with marketing or sales or care or digital, and really trying to orchestrate the organization around how to create these great experiences. And Gene Bliss and Bruce Temkin, two kind of thought leaders in our space, uh, said, hey, there's no place for us to go as professionals to really learn from each other and share frameworks and best practices. And so they created this association. We are now in just a short period of time, we're over 4,500 members in 70 countries, which really reflects the importance and the formality of our profession in many organizations in the world today. As everybody knows, customer experience is kind of everywhere. And so our association really helps to kind of guide what is it, how can you do it effectively, what are the business benefits of it, and really make it kind of stand up and sing and dance. I am thrilled to be CEO for this association association over the last 18 months. And we really had recognized that as a startup association, like many startup companies, we were really had to scale ourselves for growth because we had so many people coming in and, and really wanting to get into the profession and really wanted to support them. So I've been very blessed with getting to see a lot of companies going through this, takeaways that they're learning and sharing with each other. So I'm in a very unique position to be able to kind of help. What are the trends we're seeing? What are some of the things that people are doing around particularly customer value? value and customer equity in this space. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic that this organization is growing up and that you're getting the whole startup experience. But I think the whole concept of the customer experience officer is still pretty new. Can you help us understand a little bit more about how this role relates to customer-centric marketers and you know what exactly these people do, what it is? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I think when companies began to realize that we as consumers are in control, they kind of took a look at their organization and said, you know, it's like everybody owns the customer, but nobody really owns the customer that's in so an organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was really a way to umbrella up over the organization and create a position that could help orchestrate all of the different silos working together and look at experiences and identify opportunity or design experiences that we knew were going to be engaging and that would, you know, reduce friction and be easy and effective, consistent, reliable, all the things that we want as consumers to do. And so when companies started really putting these positions in place, it was really out of the need to really change the way organizations work. And if you talk to professionals in this space, they'll tell you this is a lot about changing and transforming organizations, how they work, how they make decisions, how they focus on the customer and everything that they do, because it's not business as usual anymore. Disruption is coming. And and so this is really a great way for us to begin to kind of pull that together and really get a better perspective globally of what customers are doing in an organization and how we can optimize what they're doing. So we oftentimes talk about that on this show, you know, the need to break down silos Mm -hmm. totally resonate Mm -hmm. with that. And, you know, the need to be Mm -hmm. across the organization. Sometimes we think about that as the chief analytics officer. How do you see the chief analytics officer being different than the chief customer experience officer? Gosh, so I think analytics are telling us what's happening to really take the interpretation of we know X number of people are visiting you know, our website or we know X number of people are visiting our retail stores or they're clicking on this campaign. So analytics are really critical for us to understand what's happening. And customer experience is, is also kind of merging along with that to really begin to understand the why. So why are customers visiting our site? Why are they clicking on this campaign versus the other? How can we make that more efficient and effective? Why are they calling our call center? All of those kind of whys behind it, which kind of build more analytics, more more sentiment, more feedback into the information. But it's also then about, well, so what? You know, we know all this information and we have all these this great data about our customers, but are we putting action behind that? And then are we measuring the impact of those actions to the business and the value that it creates, as well as value that it creates for the customer? So that's that's the difference. We're kind of the escort of taking that great information and making it kind of come alive with the organization, working across and through those silos to ensure that all the handoffs and the way the experience is created across the entire customer's journey um, is cared for. So that's you know, how the two kind of work together. That um, that makes a lot of sense because I oftentimes uh, in analytics the the difficulty is not in finding the the problem. The difficulty is in getting action. And so it sounds like this role is designed to not only understand the why, but perhaps help shepherd change through the organization. Yeah, so you'll you'll talk to if you if you think about you were asking about kind of what does this person do? Um, we do a lot of um, taking that information, generating the insights, but but what's the right thing to go fix? So there's lots of things you can fix in a customer experience, but what's the most important to them? And then how do you actually design experiences? So most of the professions, most of the professionals in our association have human-centered design skill sets where they can actually help start with the customer's needs, design the experience the right way to, again, drive that right behavior and the right emotional engagement uh, for the customer. So uh, spot on. 
Well, I, I completely agree with that philosophy, Diane. That's a really interesting approach. Let's talk a little bit more about the impact. You know, do you have some examples you can share with us about how the chief experience officer gets impact in the organization? Yeah, I would say what typically happens when people think about customer experience, many people think about metrics. They think about net promoter score, or we have what we call customer effort score. These are kind of overarching relationship measures. How, you know, are people willing to recommend this? Are they seeing if it's easy to do business with? But what I like to begin to really talk about is, well, it's great to know that and to understand where you are, but how does that correlate to the changes you're making based on the behavior you're asking the customer to perform. So I'll give you an example. If I were to say, hey, we're going to help with customers going online and being able to self-serve for these particular activities. One, if we're driving more customers to a self-serve model versus calling the care center, we're able to reduce the cost to serve. If we know that a salesperson can make two or three more impactful calls than six or seven, and we can reduce the cost to sell and increase our acquisition and increase time to market, those are things we can tie financials to. So I really encourage folks to look at not only the metrics that you're using, but what business case are you telling around how you're impacting the business? The way that that's kind of tied together, Allison, is is pretty simple. Think about you as a consumer. When you have an experience, it's either, you know, kind of non-effective, right? It's kind of like it just happens or it's bad or it's super good. And so our behavior is kind of driven by those experiences. If I continue to have bad experiences with a particular brand, I'm not likely to go back, which means I am taking my customer lifetime value, my dollars, and I'm going elsewhere, which means the company's been impacted. I might also give bad word of mouth if I have a bad experience. That's going to impact their ability to acquire new customers because people might read the reviews or the people that I tell aren't likely to do business with a company that I'm saying, hey, I had a really bad experience. Conversely, if I'm talking about, you know, I'm a raving champion of a brand and I'm espousing and really being an advocate for them, I'm probably impacting their new customer acquisition or cost to sell. So I try to really get people to understand that it's more about how the customer is behaving and the behavior you're trying to drive, which drives the business results. So that's kind of how we begin to really tie metrics, but then the, the true business value based on what we're wanting customers to do. Just like, just like in marketing, you mentioned that people in marketing kind of talk about campaign uptake. All we're doing is trying to drive customer behavior and, and customer experience professionals understand that that behavior is driven by the type of experience that you have with the organization. So I'm going to, I'm going to dig in on this a little bit because one of our key concepts, particularly on this show is the idea that not all customers are equal. And in the examples yeah. I've just heard you give, a, a lot of it is about, you know, it sounds like it's aggregate experiences, giving good experiences across the board for all customers. And yet one of the fundamental tenets of customer centricity is the heterogeneity and respecting the that good customers perhaps deserve a slightly different treatment than customers who are more or less giving you signals that they're not really your customer anymore for a variety of reasons. Does that factor in, or is that an area that maybe analytics can feed in to the customer experience officer? Gosh, that's a great question and a great way to kind of think through it. So I kind of call it this push and pull. So if we know that a customer is buying more and we're paying more attention to them, 
why did they buy more in the first place? What is in that relationship and in the experience that's really driving them to be a better customer? And conversely, if somebody is not quite a great customer, not spending quite as much, why not? And how do we understand that? Maybe change that to really drive the behavior. So your point is when you say, hey, can we really push and understand those customers who are already advocates to go further or who are not good advocates or as good a customers, if you will, how do we drive them to be better customers? On the opposite end, we know that if we can create those good experiences, we can actually drive that behavior. So to your point about having analytics as to when they come in, what they're buying, how they currently are buying, and how we can modify that, it's really all about, again, your analytics and how we pull that together. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good partnership because there is the concept Mm -hmm. that some customers are born bad. And I'll give you Mm -hmm. an example of how this took place in my life. We had a neighbor down the street and unfortunately, someone in the family committed suicide. And as part of the way that we all expressed sorrow for this neighbor, they asked us to donate to the University of Michigan Depression Center. So we Mm. did. And for the next six years, I continued to get marketing mail and reminders to donate more to this center. Now, this was not welcome for a variety of reasons, but one, Mm -hmm. because it was a reflection of this wanting to help this family, but it wasn't a reflection of my family. And here was this reminder coming every month or not every month, but, you know, every couple Mm -hmm. months. And so in Mm -hmm. that scenario, I was not a good customer. There was no way they were going to make me a good customer. I just was born bad in that scenario. And I think that applies Uh. in other scenarios too, where sometimes a customer really is just a one-time customer for us. And there's no way to grow them into something that's better. But our situations aren't universally static. They don't stay that way always. So it's hard to say that any customer who's a low-value customer is born bad. That just doesn't happen. Our life is dynamic. So I think when we look at the customer experience officer, one of the most valuable things we can provide from the analytics perspective is who really is influenceable? You know, which customers do we want to get more of to help drive those business results that you mentioned? And if we're trying to reduce friction, maybe we want to cut the metrics by certain key components that allow us to see what high value and medium value customers are doing versus what all customers are doing and then provide that experience or that framing of the understanding back to the customer experience officer. Do you think that would be useful? Oh, truly. Because if you think about the money that they're spending investing in the client who's not going to you know, reply, the analytics can really, they might not be able to tell you the why, you know, when you say, okay, this person isn't buying, but you should be able to dig into. And part of what we do is kind of push on the data and analytics to say, well, we have this whole non-responder group, right? People who we send all this stuff to, they did the one and done, and they're never responding to any of our marketing campaign. Why not? And what is it that they can opt out? Do they want to opt out? Even designing the ability to opt out is important for folks because you, I think, would have, Mm -hmm. you know, in your kind of bank account relationship with the brand, right? If you were given the option to tell them 
look, I'm not going to donate. I know that you're there. If something else comes up, I'm happy to do that. That's probably a better brand experience for you than continually getting these reminders of the suicide and the kind of the, I'm not going to do anything. And then, you know, hey, those guys are wasting a lot of money. This could go to better, this money could be reinvested in the suicide program, right? Mm -hmm. To make the organization more brand, your affinity to the brand better. So it's really, I think you're, again, right on target with saying, it's how we take that information and really try to make sense of it and make sense of it from that human being standpoint, not it's just a bunch of numbers. That's really, I think, what customer experience professionals do is kind of bring to life. What's the customer going through? How are we really understanding what they need from us? Because you obviously didn't need <laughs> to have that ongoing communication and relationship with that brand. So I think you're spot on with, you know, a lot of people talk about segmentation and value measuring and all of those pieces. It's, well, how do companies navigate and change experiences based on what they know. And so that's where we really help to dig in more in those circumstances and make more sense of the information. Yeah. You know, what's so important in that is oftentimes in the analytics space, we get really caught up in all of the information that we can measure. But if an item isn't present, you know, the smoothness of the opt-out experience or the ability to see the opt-out button or whatever it is, then we can't actually measure it or it just measures low. So it doesn't always give us as clear of a picture. And I love the perspective of the CXO really thinking about why and bringing in perhaps additional pieces that we didn't have to work with previously. That sounds like a great marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's one thing that you may hear when people look up customer experience, they hear a lot about design thinking and journey mapping. So it's a great example of the type of skill set and competency we bring. So a journey map is essentially a technique that's used to look at your experience. We would put ourselves kind of in your shoes and say, what is it like to be that customer? And what are they trying to get accomplished? And what do they need? And really designing the company around the customer rather than it being, here's a product, here's a service, here's a campaign that we're sending out and not really designing from how the human being on the other end of that going to respond, what would drive their behavior, what would drive their emotion or their engagement, really designing around that rather than being just kind of pushing product and services out. Mm -hmm. That's what we see, customer in versus product out. It's kind of the way that we kind of shift organizations to begin thinking. Oh, that's interesting. It's really customer-centric. It's customer first, Mm -hmm. customer in, Mm -hmm. product out, instead of pushing product so hard and then understanding customers who bought the product as a default behind the product. It's flipping the paradigm, like you said in the beginning. Exactly. And I don't think people kind of realize that when I ask this question a lot, when I get in front of executives who are saying, what is this customer experience thing? And I say, well, do you have a customer strategy? And they look at me like I grew a third eye. (laughs) And I say, well, you have a success succession plan and a go-to-market strategy, but customers are your biggest asset and your employees are your biggest cost. So why wouldn't you be designing around that and have a strategy as to how you're going to approach them, how you're going to know what they want, what they need, how you're going to fulfill that need? I mean, that's a great example of what Uber did. They took a concept and said, there's some unmet needs here for us as consumers. I want to know where my car is. I don't want to have to get out my credit card every time. They took those needs and converted it and disrupted an entire industry. So that's what we help to do is define and uncover those needs that you have. Like you needed them to stop sending you stuff. Mm -hmm. How do we meet those needs? Because we know that drives better engagement, which drives better business results. 
Exactly, exactly. Now, let's say that I've made up my mind and I don't want to be a chief analytics officer anymore. I want to be a chief customer experience officer, or maybe I just want to partner with one in a really good way. How would I get started or what would I do? Oh, gosh. I, well, one, you know, shameless plug for the association. That's what our association does. And nobody starts out being a customer experience professional. We all came from, I came from sales and marketing and uh, with a background in psychology. And some people come from the care department because they kind of see all the broken experiences. Some people come from VOC analytics market research and say, I got all this data and we're not doing anything with it. How can I make that happen? So one, look at the associate. There's lots of stuff online. There's competencies, like what skill sets and competencies do I need to become a CX professional? A lot of that you can just find on search. There's a couple of great books. I always recommend Outside In by Carrie Bodine. That is really helpful. Jean Bliss, who was one of the founders of our association, has a book called Chief Customer Officer 2.0. And it really talks about what are the capabilities and competencies that organizations need to build in order to kind of drive that, as well as individuals, people who want to be CX professionals. So those are great ways to get started. And then connect with some folks. Go on to LinkedIn and find a couple of chief experience officers and just have conversations. We're a very friendly bunch because we do a lot of hard work. And I would say as a personality type, we're very outgoing and kind of bringing people in the fold. Because if you think about it, that's what we do for a living in organizations. We help bring those disparate people together. So we're very much connectors. Do you see people with quantitative backgrounds also coming into the organization? Absolutely. We have a lot of people who start in Lean Six Sigma. They've been doing, sorry, with the TQM, but Lean Six Sigma and say, yeah, we kind of include the customer, but this really adds a whole other layer of how to think about that human being and how to bring that why and that emotion and all that into, as what I call it, an additional layer behind kind of that process design or the rigor around business operations. It just brings another lens, if you will, to that work. So we see a lot of folks that start there and kind of come in. Same with market research. You know, like I said, want to bring in more of that sentiment, but I really want the organization to action on the information that we are getting. Great, great. Well, this has been fantastic, Diane. If people want to get in touch with you or your organization with follow-up questions, what's the best way to reach you? Oh, goodness, Diane at cxpa.org. Go to the website, cxpa.org, or LinkedIn. I'm there as well, and I'm happy to answer questions or provide any direction I can for somebody trying to do this. That's what we do as an association, so happy to help. Very nice. Now, I'm going to attempt to summarize the things we talked about, but please feel free to chime in and add a little bit more. We talked about why you should care about this particular aspect, and really the CXPA is a growing organization for chief customer officers and people who are really trying to put the customer first. What I especially liked about what you said was that it really starts with understanding the why behind the customer and thinking in a broad aspect about reducing friction and getting customers what they really need. And I think that partners well with analytics where we're oftentimes looking at what's present, what's happening, as opposed to what could happen, which is almost the CXO's broader purview. Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Totally. Good. Good summary. 
Good. And then when we look at what the impact is, how can I get impact out of this relationship? It's really, again, it anchors into the why. It goes beyond the customer relationship score. So whether you're talking about net promoter score or whether you're looking to connect the call center offset from self-service to the business center and you're trying to calculate the differences there, the CXO is really designed to be on your side to take what you find in the analytics space and drive it into more business impact, especially I, I like this phrase you said about customers in, product out, and that's definitely what we believe in is customers first. So thinking about the overall customer experience strategy and customers as the biggest asset of the organization, but especially recognizing that not every customer is equal, and I think the analytics teams can help with that aspect for which customers do you want to acquire more of and what kind of experiences would they really respond respond to. Exactly right. Wow, that was a great summary. Thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Good. And then, of course, if you're interested in joining the CXPA, Diane's provided the website. I think it's cxpa.org, right, is the main website. This is a great place to start to understand this perspective about customers and the way you can think a little bit more broadly. I think it's a great feather to put in your cap, an additional tool that analytics folks can benefit from. So do you have any uh, webinars coming up or anything that people who aren't familiar with the organization can join? Oh, we really do. We have a lot of assets and resources that are public facing. So when you go to the website, there's an events and you'll see webinars listed there. There's some assets and resources that are listed under it. We have very healthy discussion board. You can see other events that are coming up, local events. We have a lot of city networking teams that are starting up. That's a great way to connect to other folks that are doing the same work in your local area. So lots of things to check out there and lots of ways to get connected and talk to other folks who are doing the work and kind of see what's involved and how can I really grow this as part of my professional development. Excellent. You know, I also want to thank you for being a sponsor of the Customer Centricity Conference. That's definitely valuable to us and hopefully some of your members will come and see what we talk about when we dig into the data and get all crazy about customer centric <laughs> information. I love that. I love that. I love that. Looking forward to it too. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Diane, for being a guest. Remember everyone, when you use your data effectively, you really can build customer equity. It's not magic. It's just a very specific journey that you can follow to get results. And as always, links to everything we discussed today can be found at abishadata.com slash podcast, including links to those books that Diane mentioned earlier. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining today's show. This is Allison. Just a few things before you head out. Every Friday, I put together a short bulleted list of three to five things I've seen that represent customer equity signal, not noise. And believe me, there's a lot of noise out there. I actually call this email the signal. Things I include could be smart tools I've run across, articles I've shared, cool statistics, or people and companies I think are doing amazing work building customer equity. If you'd like to receive this nugget of goodness each week, you can sign up at ambitiondata.com and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoy the signal. See you next week on the Customer Equity Accelerator.